Friends, I want to ask this morning, how did it go last week? And I don't mean the first week of summer, okay? Uh, First week of summer was hot, is how that went. Uh, But last week we talked about meditation. And so we said, you know, hey, we we need to spend some time. Uh, We need to linger in the text a little longer. We talked about the two-second rule, not the five or the ten-second rule. This isn't when food hits the ground. It's that when we read the Bible, we read a verse every two seconds. And so if we read the Bible for ten minutes, we cover about 300 verses in that period of time. We read it for 20 minutes, we cover 600 verses. And oftentimes when we read the Bible, we're doing a Bible reading plan, we wonder why, when it's all said and done, we can rarely remember any of it. We said that's why when we read, we need to highlight portions of Scripture that stand out to us. We need to return back to those portions and linger. Think about those things. Then we gave you a a few methods for meditation. The the first way was just to work through the words in a Scripture or a passage that caught your attention and and, and spend time focusing on each word and kind of thinking about what that means. Uh, The the second way was to take the passage that you read and to maybe rewrite it in your own words, to spend time thinking about it in such a way that you could explain it to somebody if you didn't have the Bible in your hands, right? And then the last method we went over was the application method. Uh, This morning, we're going to use all of that as kind of a springboard into our next habit. And these things are all very closely connected, just so you know. My wife said... Uh, we're talking about it. She goes, that sounds a lot like what you talked about last week. I said, well, it builds upon last. It's not the same message, I promise. She thought I was being lazy. So, a uh, totally different thing, but it builds upon what we talked about last week. And so, I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer as we t- discuss what meditation should lead to. Uh, let's pray. Father, um, we love you, and God, uh, we, we honor you with our lives. We thank you for being sovereign and for being over all things. Lord, all things. And we know, according to your word, that you are always working for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. And so, Lord, we we believe that you have us here today for good. Holy Spirit, we want to pause and step back and invite you into this space, ask you to come and to be the teacher of this church. That is um, your job. That's your role. And we, um, we submit and surrender to you now as we ask you to come and do what only you can. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lift up Jesus Christ in our midst and that Jesus, as you're lifted up, you would draw us all closer to your heart that we might be changed into your image. It is in Jesus' name that we ask all of these things. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up to Joshua chapter 1. Now, we've been in Joshua chapter 1 every week. For several weeks, and we're going to continue to go back to Joshua chapter 1 on a regular basis. But Joshua chapter 1 this morning uh, is where we're going to be, and we're going to read verse 8 together of Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read verse 8. I'll give you a second till I hear the flipping stop. All right, when you get there, you can look up, and we'll, we'll assume that's where you are. Okay, Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 8, and the Word of God says this. It says, This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Say that again. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever 
you do. And, and, and we walk through really where we've been. Our first message after the introduction was about Bible intake. And what does Joshua say here in Joshua 1.8? The Lord is speaking, says, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Right? You, you've got to be in the Word. It's talking about Bible intake. And then, then after you take in the Word, what are you supposed to do with it? And the text goes on. It says then you need to meditate on it day and night. You need to think about it, uh, it, it continuously. And then it says that meditation should lead to something. Right? It should lead to something. Get this. It says you're to meditate on it day and night so that. It's an important word, isn't it, Tom? So that, that means something's supposed to come out of this. We had a Bible study on Wednesday night. It was years ago now, right? And we, we talked about so that, the emphasis. Uh, Tom and I were there and, and just so that, that's an important thing. Well, why is this verse important? It says so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. So we've got to take in the Word of God. We've got to constantly think about the Word of God. And the reason that we do this is so that we will obey the Word of God. So that we will apply the word of God, right? And it says, if we do these things, if we we take in the scripture, and if we meditate on it, and if that meditation leads to obedience, then we will receive the blessing of God. Now, quick survey this morning. How many of you here would like to be blessed by God? Okay, all right. You're here and you say, I'd like some blessing, Lord, all right? Don't send me your handkerchief. That ain't going to work, all right? $19.99 and a handkerchief ain't going to do it. You want to be blessed by God? Yes, I'm talking about, you know, you know what I'm talking about, all right? You want to be blessed by God, the Word of God says, then you need to take in His Word. You need to think about it. And here's where the blessing comes, ready? You need to do it. You need to do it, all right? And so... Uh, that leads to really our banner statement this morning, kind of, kind of over everything we're going to talk about, just like we did last week. Ready? Our chief problem uh, isn't a lack, and, and you could put the word Bible there, our chief problem isn't a lack of Bible knowledge or understanding. It's a lack of obedience. The majority of Christians, the issue with us isn't that we don't know the word or that we don't have access to the Word. It, it, for the most of us, the, the, the thing, the reason why we're not experiencing the blessing of God is because we don't do the Word. So we're not doing what the Word tells us to do. That's where the blessing of God lies, right? God, who is the source of all blessing, from whom all blessing flows, our Father of heavenly lights, has laid forth the path to blessing. And, and in his word, he's revealed. Like, like, if you do these things, these are my things. When you do things my way, I will bless you. And so for the majority of Christians, it's not that we don't know the word of God. It's not that we don't know the commands of God. It's not that we, 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 we don't understand what the word of God says. For the majority of us, if we're honest, the problem is that we don't do what the word says. Right? So our primary problem tends to be a lack of of obedience. It's a lack of doing what we know to do. Now, I want to be honest with you. I realize there are some texts in the Bible that are difficult, right? There are some. There are some. And in fact, uh, Peter even says, that Peter and Paul, if you ever study church history, have an interesting relationship, right? They just kind of do. Peter says something in, in one of his epistles about Paul, which is interesting. And he's supporting Paul, but this is what he says in 2 Peter 3.16. Get this. He says, uh, he's speaking of Paul. If you go up in context, he, he actually says Paul. Uh, he says, he speaks about these things in all of his letters. There are some matters that are hard to understand. 
If you ever read some of the epistles of Paul, it's okay if you're in Romans and go, I, I don't even know what this guy's talking about here. For, like Peter's going, yeah, Paul says some things that are hard to understand. He says the untaught and the unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. And all that Peter is saying is like, yeah, there are some places in scripture that are hard to understand, okay? But the majority of the Bible is not. The majority of the Bible is straightforward. It is understandable, right? And even in those difficult passages, there are places that we can turn. And so what uh, we're going to start with this morning, our chief problem isn't a lack of understanding. It's a lack of application. Application. And that's really the, the, the next habit we want to talk about this morning, the habit of application, okay? If we want to place ourselves in the path of grace, in the path of blessing, Uh, like Zacchaeus did, like Bartimaeus did, put ourselves in the path of God's blessing. One of the things we're going to have to commit to is being people that actually apply the word of God and do what it says, okay? All right, so four things this morning, very quickly. I know we had the Lord's Supper, so we'll get through them as fast as we can. Here we go. Number one, number one, I want you to see this morning that God promises blessing to those who apply his word. God promises blessing to those who apply his word, right? Promises blessing to those who apply his word. Again, we already looked at this, but I'll put it up on the screen for you. Uh, here it is again, Joshua 1.8. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth, okay? Bible intake. You are to meditate on it day and night. So the, okay, so Bible intake, meditation. That's, that's linger longer, all right? Bible intake, linger longer, meditate. It says, so that you may carefully observe, that's apply, everything written in it. And if you do these things, you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. That's blessing. That's blessing. That is the formula. What I want you to see this morning, that's not just something we find in the Old Testament. We find this in the New Testament as well. Uh, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of James. Book of James. Our Bible drill kids are going to kill this, right? Let's go. Present Bibles. James. Let's go. It's in your hand. Oh, that's a hymnal, maybe. Okay. All right. Book of James, James chapter 1. And again, I want you to hear what the Lord, uh, what the word of the Lord says. James chapter 1, starting at verse 22. It says this, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Again, the same formula. So according to James, uh, there are things in the Bible that we come to and they are so obvious as to what we should do that it's like looking at our own face in the mirror. Right? I mean, I mean, sometimes God is, is so plain as day that you open up the Word of God and He goes, hello, and you go, oh, yeah, that's me, right? Yeah, yeah, Lord, like God's going, hello, this is, and, and you know what I'm talking about. You all had these moments where, where maybe you were, you were fretting about money, you were worrying about how you're going to pay that bill, and you open up the Word of God, and where does it fall? Matthew chapter 6, and it says, do not store up treasures in heaven. And you go, oh, okay. And then you read on in Matthew chapter 6 and it says, I tell you, who can add a single day to his life by worrying? You go, oh, yeah, yeah, Lord. I mean, there are just sometimes the word of God is so plain as day. that It's like, yeah, yeah, that's so stop worrying, right? But here's the deal. This is what the word says. If you don't apply that truth, 
right? If you come face to face with the truth of God's word, like don't worry when you're worrying, and then you don't apply it, you don't actually do what it says, you don't stop worrying, or you don't stop and pray and say, God, you're the source of all things, you own a cattle on a thousand hills, I pray that you'd sell a few of them to pay this bill, right? If you don't get to that place, then it says, you come face to face with the truth of God, but you don't apply it, it's like you walk away and you forget what you look like. Wow. Wow, when the word of God is so evident in what we should do, but then we walk away from it and we don't apply it. It's like we forget our own face, right? But if we do what it says, verse 25, James 1, 25, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the works, this person will be what? Blessed in what he does. Who wants to be blessed? We all raised our hands earlier. The one who does will be blessed. That's what the word of God says. Now, does that mean that it's always going to be easy, friends, to apply the word of God, to take the word of God and put it into practice in our life? Is that going to be an easy process? Absolutely not. Does it mean that when we apply the word of God and we actually do what the word of God, does it mean, does that blessing always mean uh, earthly prosperity? Is that what it means? Does it mean that we're suddenly going to get a big raise or we're going to get a promotion or our social security is going to increase by 20%? Do you think that's going to happen? But Lord, I'm doing, I'm doing your word. I don't know why Congress didn't vote for that increase in social security. I just, I don't know. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't talk about earthly prosperity. When we, when we obey and we apply the word of God, does it mean that everybody's going to agree with us? Is everybody going to think that we're doing the right thing? Is that, is that, is that going to happen? Absolutely not, right? Um, when, when, when we apply the word of God, does it mean that everybody in our family is going to understand us, right? I mean, some of us have family members and they think we are crazy because we go to church and we tithe. They go, they go well, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? Why, 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 why on earth would you give a percentage? Why, why do you give 10% of your income away, right? I, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense to me. That should be going to retirement. You're going to get old one day and you're going to have no one to take care of you. And your family may not understand, yeah, but that's not the, that's not the retirement I'm living for. That's, that's not what I'm investing in, right? Does it mean when you apply the word of God that that action will be popular? Absolutely not, right? But the promise of God, God will see. And God will bless. We said this last week, we are often deluded... Uh, to the scripture's impact on us. We think that if we read it, that that's enough. And many of us have been reading the Bible for years and years and years. And we've been frustrated because we can barely remember what we've read. Some of us, we've moved beyond that to that point that we're actually thinking about scripture. And yet I would say to you that even is not enough to receive the blessing of God. Right? It's not just about reading it. It's not just about coming to church and hearing it. It's not just about thinking about it. That's not enough. The promise of the blessing is not for those that read, hear, or think about the Scripture. The promise is for those that do what it says. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's the place that we have to get to. So first things first, God promises blessing to those who applies. We're number two. Number two, ready? In order to become the kind of person who regularly applies the word of God, you must first believe God's word is meant for you. Okay? So, so you say, I want in, I want that, I want the blessing of God, I, I, I want to be an applier, I want to be a doer of God's word, that's great, but if you're going to become a doer of God's word, you first have to believe that God's word is for you. 
You have to believe it's for you. That when you read it, when you turn it uh, to, to a page that, that what is on that page that God intends for you to receive. God means for your life, right? Hear me. God's will for your life is transformation. That's His will. His will for your life is that you would be transformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's His will for your life. The primary method through which God intends that to happen is through study of the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, and by the empowerment of His Holy Spirit working in you to change you from the inside out. That's a process called sanctification. It's a cooperation of the Holy Spirit where we submit ourselves to God, where we come before the Lord, where we, we, we take in His Word, and we allow it to, to, to marinate in us and to change us by the power of His Spirit. And we leave transformed into the image of God. When we come to the Bible, we have to come expecting to hear from the Lord. When we come to the Bible, we have to come expecting to hear from the living God, not not a dead God of history. We have to come to the Scriptures believing that, that they really are indeed the very breath of God, and that God's breath still has the power to make dead things alive. Right? And if we believe that, And if we come to this book like that, God can change us. I love what the great Puritan pastor Thomas Watson said about this, about believing that the text is meant for you. Listen. He says, Take every word as spoken to yourselves. When the word thunders against sin, think thus, God means my sin. Right? When it presseth any duty, that God intends me in this. He says, many put off Scripture from themselves as if it is only concerned those who lived in the time when it was written. But if you intend to profit by the Word, bring it home to yourselves. A medicine will do no good unless it be applied. Whew. That's the place we've got to get to. If we intend for this book to bless us, we have to bring it home to our hearts. Medicine is no good unless it's applied. I thought about this this morning. You know, we, we often traveled overseas, done those kind of things, and we talk about third world countries and all their preventable diseases, yet the truth is here in America, uh, the, the truth is each of us that possess one of these, it's like we own a drugstore. And we have the cure to the disease that's killing all of us right here in our grasp. But if we don't apply it, What good is it to own the store, amen? How silly would it be? And and you can make up the disease, right? Maybe it's scurvy. And we sit around. (laughs) We've got citrus all around us, and yet we refuse to take a bite, right? The Word of God is the answer. It is what we need, but we've got to take it in. We've got to believe that it is for us, okay? Number three, talk about applying. I want you to know that context goes a long way toward proper application. Context goes a long way towards proper application. If we want to properly apply the Word of God, it helps to have a proper understanding of the text, okay? 
Now, we, we said this earlier, the majority of text is straightforward, but there are some difficult passages in the Bible. Thank goodness there is no single verse in the Bible that appears out of context. All verses appear in the context of the other verses of Scripture. So we can always go back to context to understand something. So I say this to you because if you're going to go try to apply the Word of God, you need to be careful that you don't misapply the Word of God. All right, so I'm going to give you some examples, right? Like Colossians, okay? Colossians, think about this, Colossians 2.21. This is what it says. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Now, if you were to, to pull out that verse and say, that's application right there, I'm going to apply that. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Some would say you make a good Baptist. I would argue you might make a good Pharisee or worse. And the reason why is because of the context. So let's do this. Let's turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. Okay? Just want to flesh this out with you guys. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Man, that sounds like great application, Lord. I'm going to do that. But watch this. I'm in Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. You guys there? Okay, everybody's in Colossians? Okay, so Colossians 2, starting in verse 4. We're going to skip around. Verse 4, I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable, for I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. Skip down to verse 8. It says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than on Christ. Now to verse 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of festival or new moon or Sabbath day. Okay, now down to 20. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations, don't handle, don't, te- uh, don't taste, don't touch? All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. That's vastly different than that verse, isn't it? See, if I were to take a verse out of context and apply it, You could see the damage that might be done, right? The the, the context, when I think about the context, my application point isn't don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. That's not the application. The application should be submit myself to God, therefore, right? To walk in the Spirit, and then I'll naturally avoid the things of the flesh. I mean, that should be the application point. It shouldn't be don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Because those things have no way to cure self-indulgence. Another quick one, right? One of my favorites, Jeremiah 29, 11. We use this one here a lot. Right? Context, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm, I'm in a difficult place. Man, that, that, that can describe life right now, right? For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. So yes, Lord, that's what I need. I need, I need to be reminded you've got plans for this time in my life. Now, you could read Jeremiah 29, 11, and you could walk away, and your application could be, trust God's plans, Right? That could be your application. The only problem is that if you didn't read Jeremiah 29, 11, you probably missed where your application should be. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. 
You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. This is God speaking. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So the plans of God, like, like for, yes, God, you have a plan for this, but your plan is for me to seek you with all my heart. That should be my application. My application shouldn't just be, well, well just trust right now. Well, yes, yes I, you should trust the plans of God. But in the midst of whatever you're going through, you should be seeking God out with everything that you are and everything that you have. And if you're not doing that, how do you know if it's the plan of God for your life? You follow me? We can't take Scripture out of context and use that as our application point. We've got to read it in context. Okay, last thing, I'm done. Last thing. This one's a little hard to understand. I'll do my best to explain it. Ready? Our heart is where the Bible needs to be applied most. Our heart is where the Bible needs to be applied most. We have a tendency when I talk about application, to think about things that I can do, okay? So I'm reading a scripture, and sometimes it's plain as day, right? right? If you uh, go to the altar and you realize that you hold something in your heart against a brother, first go to, leave what you have at the altar, go to your brother, make that right, and then come back to the altar, right? So it's a pretty, okay, this is something I need to do, right? Many times you're going to be looking at a text, and what you may need to do has more to do with your heart than it does any specific action, Okay? I love this quote from John Piper. Um, He says this. He says, A godly life is lived out of an astonished heart. I like that, that phrase. A godly life is lived out of an astonished heart. A heart that is astonished at grace. We go to the Bible to be astonished, to be amazed at God and Christ and the cross and the grace of the gospel. Many times when you open up your Bible, you know what your application may be. Ready? Wow, God. (laughs) Wow, God. That may be your application, that you sit in amazement for, for a few minutes before you press on into the mire and the muck of your day. That you sit in the truck with your Bible open and and with your eyes flooded with tears and you're just amazed at, at a God that could love you as much as He does, right? And that may be your application for the day. It's applying it to your heart. David Mathis, the guy from whom we stole our whole title for this series, Habits of Grace, he says, the Bible is gloriously for us, but it is not mainly about us. The Bible is gloriously for us, but it is not mainly about us. It is mainly about God. It is about God and His goodness. It is about God and His love. It is about God and His grace. Therefore, when we turn to the Bible, we cannot expect every single time to walk away with an application point of something I have to do. Many times we will simply walk away in amazement of what God has done. Having a specific to-do item each day is great. But if we walk away from the Bible solely seeing what we have to do and missing what God has done for us, we will miss the point altogether. All right. So let me give you some application since we're talking about application this week. Now, if some of you have been trying the application from the last few weeks, I have good news for you. Uh, I'm not adding a whole lot extra onto your plate because you've already been doing these things. So here we go. Number one, ready? Read. 
got to read the Bible, right? I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to keep beating the drum. You have to read the Bible. It's the number one thing that brings transformation to the lives of believers. You have to interact with the Bible. So you've, you've got to be reading it. Find a plan on the internet. Start in the book of John. Read your way through it. Whatever you're doing, but, but spend some time in the Word of God every day. Somebody says, how much time? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord, right? If you spend 10 minutes, you're going to read about 300 verses. Uh, if, if, you, if you only have 10 minutes to carve out, maybe you spend five reading and you spend five thinking. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the second thing. After we read, we need to be meditating on the Scripture. Okay? We gave you all kinds of methods last week that you could try. Uh, you, you just need to be thinking about what the text says. This has to be a part of your Bible reading, that you stop and you actually think over what you have read. Okay? So if 10 minutes is 300 verses, 5 minutes is 150 verses, out of 150 verses, I should be able to find one or two that really stand out to think about, right? So if I only had 10 minutes, I can read 150 verses and I can spend 5 minutes thinking about a couple of those 150 verses. You get me? Okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to meditate on it. Number three, we're going to ask, okay? We're going to ask some questions. Now, this is where we talk about application. And so what I gave you in your notes uh, this week, if you've got your sermon notes at the end, is you just have these questions and they're just, I typed them up for you so you didn't have to follow, but I'll just read them off the screen real quick. So six questions. Number one says, does this text reveal something that I should believe about God? Right? We're talking about application. Is there something here that I should be amazed about God? Right? I mean, is God overly gracious here? Does God display his love in a way that I haven't seen before? Uh, Does God promise uh, something here to to always forgive sins if I confess them? Does does this text reveal something that I should believe about God? That's number one. Number two, uh, does this text reveal something that I should praise or thank or trust God for? Right? Is there something revealed in this text that then, then shows me my need to say, thank you, God? Right? I, maybe I'm reading the text, and every good and perfect gift comes down from your Father of heavenly lights. Or I'm reading Jesus as like, what, what good father would, would, would give his you know, uh, child a snake if he asked for a fish? Right? And you go, oh, well, yeah, God is, is better than that. God is better than what I deserve. And, and we begin to see all the gifts of God in our life, and so that, that leads to praise. Number three, right? Um, does this text reveal something that I should pray about for myself or others? Okay, as I'm working through the text, is there something I need to pray here, Lord? Do, do I need to be asking for forgiveness? Or do I need to, do I, do I need to be praying that, that, that somebody else would be sustained during a difficult time? Like, what does the text reveal to me? Okay, so that may, my application point may come from this. Number four, does this text reveal something that I should have a new attitude about? Ooh, ooh, it's a big one, right? Okay, Romans 12, 1 and 2, talks about having our minds... Uh, transformed, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, okay? And, and so maybe there's an attitude in me that's just not right. You know, I read, I read Philippians 2, it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who made himself nothing. And you go, ooh, I've been kind of going home on the weekend saying, kids, get out of here, this is my remote. <laughs> e. Hey guys, come in, you want to watch some Spongebob? What, what do you want to watch? I'm so excited to spend this time with you. Let me make myself nothing for a moment. What does that look like, right? Number five, does this text reveal something that I should make a decision about? Something that I should make a decision about, right? I've been, been, been praying, there's, there's something that's been going on in my life, I read the word of God, and it, it's plain as day. Yep, that's a problem. Well, should you do something about it? Yeah, you should do something about it. If God presents a problem, you shouldn't just go, because ah, if you walk away, it's like you forgot your face. So you don't want to walk away. You want to you go, okay, yeah, Lord, I'm going to deal with that. Okay, six. Does this text reveal something I should do for the sake of Christ, others, or myself? Does this text reveal something I should do for the sake of Christ, others, or myself? 
All right? So we're going to read, we're going to meditate, we're going to ask these questions. Uh, this leads towards our application. Here's the last part. Ready? Respond. If I read it, and I hear it, and I think about it, but I don't do anything with it, that I receive the promised blessing of James chapter 1 or Joshua chapter 1? No. No. So, fourth part, specific application. All right? Respond specifically. So you went through those questions. God laid something out. You go, okay, Lord, this today is what I'm going to do. Okay, so today, let's say it wasn't one of those things that you could just do, like, uh, um, you've been very negative lately, right? And and, and you're reading the scriptures and something pops out to you about like, ah, you know what, a negative spirit is just not something of Jesus. I need to to change my critical spirit. And so you say, God, every time I'm critical today, I'm going to slap my hand, right? That's good. That's a great application, okay? That's fine. That's fine, okay? But what if it's a heart issue? And it just needs to be about the amazement of God. And, 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 and so, so instead, what you read about was how God has forgiven you. It's about the cross. It's about the gospel. It's how God loved you when you were unlovable. And you're just astounded at that. So what do you do on that day? Well, maybe you say, here's my specific application. Right now, at lunch, and before I go to bed, I'm going to think about all that Jesus has done for me today. But you've got to make it specific. If you don't, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to walk away and you're going to leave it back there and you're going to forget that you're supposed to... And and you will have come face to face with the glorious truth of God's word. You will have been on the precipice of the blessing of God and you will have walked away from it. You will have walked away from it. Don't merely be hearers of the word. We have to do what it says. Join me in a word of prayer. Okay, Father, thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your sovereignty, that you reign over us, that you're always working for good, even when we don't see it and can't understand it. And Lord, we have a special prayer uh, right now, just that you would um, reveal to us in the next few moments whether or not we are really doers of your word. I think that's something we all struggle with, God. Oftentimes, we, we, we read it, we even pray about it, Sometimes we think about it. But Lord, how are we really doing it? How are we really doing it? Lord, just reveal that to us here in the next couple of minutes. In your name we ask these things. Amen.